Hello, Rue. Hello, Nick. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well as well, thank you. I've got the house to myself. Have you? Well, no, I've got the house to myself with a baby. Um, <laughs> right. Which is to say, Rachel's gone out, uh, so I'm left holding the baby, quite literally. Ah. Well, funnily enough, so has Jo. Uh, she's gone out, but both my kids are fast asleep in bed. So. Oh. I wish I could say the same here. Oliver was sleeping soundly, and then just as I was about to hit the, the Skype call button, he decided it was time to wake up. So I've actually oh. got him literally sitting on my lap at the moment. You can probably hear him burbling away. And there's me just realising, glancing over, the baby monitor's off. So I've no idea what Lauren's <laughs> been doing upstairs. <laughs> but it's OK. I can, I can normally... Hit, well, one sec, let me just turn it on. OK. Let me just... Um, I can hear her from downstairs without it on normally, so yes, I just that slight static hum of silence. Our one cuts out if the volume is too low, so you really? don't get that nice reassuring background static. Ours, you, c- you can mute it so it's like that, and then it unmutes itself if it gets over a certain volume. Yes, yes, exactly. So yeah, you, yeah you don't have to have constant background noise, but actually I, I would quite like a bit of constant background noise. Yeah, it's quite nice having that. You get used to that white noise in the background. Baby dance! So I'm Nick O'Leary, and I've got a fast asleep, or virtually four-month-old Lauren, and an equally fast asleep, uh, almost, but not quite yet, four-year-old Toby. Um, My name's Rue Reynolds, and I've got a wide awake and sitting on my lap for the first time in in several weeks. This is reminding me of the first, first few episodes a little boy called Oliver, and he is just over five months now. So what have you been up to this week? Well, this week we've continued our our journey of uh, weaning and getting Oliver used to different sorts of food. So he's been having mushed up carrots and pears and spoon feeding still, but also having him use his fingers and sort of t- take it into his mouth at his own pace. Right. A uh, bit of sweet potato, that was quite good, bit of steamed sweet potato, um, which he was grabbing hold of and putting in his mouth and choked a little bit on that just on those <laughs> initial moments that you warned would happen a little yeah. bit of a uh, little bit of scariness and the last couple of days he's actually been just just gently nibbling on rusks i wasn't expecting to have rusks at quite this stage what are rusks it's like, like a sort of biscuit filled with it's uh, almost like a, a baby digestive if you will okay a baby all oh, right except they don't dunk it in tea they suck on it till it goes sufficiently soft and then uh and then they swallow the soft bits that fall off the edges. It's great fun. Yeah, that, see, I'm, I'm not really one for having an overly soggy digestive. <laughs> right, well, it, it starts as a nice dry biscuit, and then it turns into a big soggy mess. Well, I guess if he enjoys it, then that's a good thing. I think they're supposed to be quite useful for teething as well. Right. I don't know. At this stage, it's, it's just, for us and for him, it's novelty value. You know, yeah. getting him tasting different things and... Yeah, we're we're definitely enjoying it. It's good fun. It does have some side effects though. Right. We've had uh we've had a first this week. We've had a first properly brown poo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Semi-solid for the first time. I figure whatever the texture of what goes in is going to be fairly similar to what comes out. Yeah, I had forgotten about the chain yeah, and just how long the poo does stay runny whilst you're on uh breast milk and formula. Hmm. Yeah, so we've had almost the the opposite in that we Lauren went for a few days this week without doing a poo, which is perfectly natural. Sometimes babies will go up for a week without pooing, 
but it can be a little when you're so used to it <laughs> happening. Yeah, day in, that day would be out. scary. I mean, Joe looks it up just to see what what the advice is, and I mm. think I think the NHS site did say some babies will go up for a week um, wow. without having a poo. But Gosh. she pooed after two or three days. It was more we were slightly worried about. Yeah, if they haven't gone for a couple of days, then... <laughs> it's building up. It's building up, and that's going to be some explosion. <laughs> the, the, the backdraft. Well, yeah, and we'd... It coincided with we were trying out Asda's own brand nappies rather than uh, Pampers we were using before. Because mm-hmm. we'd had a couple of leaks with the Pampers, so we thought, let's try a different one. and So we got some Asda ones to try. But I'd noticed putting them on, they don't come as far up the back... As the Pampers Ooh. ones do. And you do want a nappy well up the back, don't you? You need a nappy right up the back. Cause <laughs> right up the back. Right Ideally, up. something that w- went uh, sleeping bag-like right up to the neck would be amazing. Yes, yes. <laughs> or you need a dry suit seal around their waist. <laughs> anyway, the combination of a nappy not going very far up the back and not having a poo for a couple of days, it. I was nervous and mm-hmm. I was... I'm not ashamed to admit I was glad to go to work and and leave her with Joe for, for a couple of days. But it turned out not to be such a huge explosion. Things happened. She did a poo. It was fine. We're all happy. And it wasn't quite the uh, tidal wave we feared it might be. <laughs> That's good. I'm relieved for all of you. Actually, one thing we've, we've not talked about for a while, Rue, was you guys were looking at the reusables. Yes, we still are, although I think we're still fairly inconsistent with it. So we're not sticking tenaciously with reusables at every nappy change. I would say something like half the time at the moment. So during the day, he'll often be wearing them and then often disposables at night. Right. Although I think even that pattern is, is still, there's quite a lot of variety going on. There's still quite a lot of variation mm-hmm. in, in what we're doing and when. Um, but yeah, I reckon maybe about half the time he's in disposables. Um, the washing isn't that bad, maybe especially because we're not using them every single change. Yeah. And especially when it's just wet, then it's great. You just sling them in a in a plastic bucket and uh, shove the lid on. Right. And then they all go in in like a big mesh bag. Yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> and then they all go in the washing machine in a big mesh bag. Right. And uh yeah, it's quite quite straightforward really. Yeah, I think you'd probably need a good number to be using them constantly. I mm. think you I think we've probably got about ten or twelve. I think that's probably only just enough, especially in the early days. Maybe that's getting slightly easier now because um he's slowed down a bit. Right. So, you know, it's not um not the same frequency of nappy changing as, as the first couple of months. Yeah. I don't have any good good data anymore because we stopped doing the um, the, f- the breastfeeding logging. You know, the, we we talked a few episodes ago about apps that we use for tracking yeah. uh, feeds and nappy changes, and and you were you were saying the same for medicine and for sleeps as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, once he'd sort of settled into some some good patterns and some good rhythms, and we weren't so anxious in the middle of the night about oh how long has it been how long has it been <laughs> you know once once he was sleeping through pretty reliably and and you know we we knew him a lot better and we knew how generally it was it wasn't so hard to work out how long the last um feed had been and also we were a lot less sleep deprived as well 
So we're, we're at the stage now where, with a five-month baby, compared to the first few episodes of this, you know, he was he was literally a brand new, brand new baby. Um, in comparison, uh, at a few months old, yeah, we're we're getting so much more rest. I mean, like, <laughs> we both feel so much more alive than we did in the early days. Yeah, the fact he's awake on your lap right now, aside. <laughs> yeah, and that is very unusual, actually. You know, he's normally going down for after a bath. He'll normally go down to sleep at seven thirty, eight o'clock, and uh, often, you know, have a, a feed as we're going to bed, and then wake up at six in the morning. Often, mm-hmm. so you know, nine nine till six is quite a good good uh, nine hour stint, and that's not unusual now. That's that's happening not every single night, but is is happening quite regularly, which is. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Such a nice feeling. Yes. And I guess, I mean, it's much the same with Lauren. And I guess to our, our listeners who are at the uh, the early steps of, of that those few months, who are right now thinking, when are you ever going to get to sleep again? Well, if you've been listening to us from the start, then you'll know we were there at some point. But Ooh, yeah, it very quickly. Yeah, here we are, what, episode 20. And... Uh, yeah, we're now getting a good seven hours sleep mm. plus. So um, there you go. Yeah, things do change quickly. And I, I look back on those early days with quite a lot of um, fondness. And, you know, or, although it's very short term, I'm feeling nostalgic for them already. It was it was fun. It was an adventure. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm particularly enjoying right now, I have to say, that Lauren is now at the stage where you can make her smile and she reacts mm. to you and yeah yeah and she just has how would i describe it cheeky's the wrong word but she just has this this incredible grin when you um you know when you make her smile and it's and she i mean to fair she'll smile at anyone i'm mean, not not saying i have a particular knack <laughs> at this but um yeah it, it's there you you start seeing the character and you start re- realizing this is a person. This isn't just like mm. a pet or a, yeah. know, something that I'm still, you know, you're still having to tend to it 24-7. But no, this this is a natural person with a personality in there. And uh, yeah. um, Rachel said this afternoon that in the first few months, it was there were there were two of us in the house and we also had a baby. Mm. And now it feels much more like there are three of us in the house. That's lovely. He's uh, as I'm speaking. He's got hold of my beard. He's giving me <laughs> a really good pull. <laughs> yeah, and I've said Toby, my my, well, three and three quarter year old. Let, I mean, let's let's say it like that. Um, I'm I'm really pleased how much he likes his sister. You know, the, mm. again, we talked before the sort of the slight nervousness over how how if you're having a second child, how the first one will accept the second child coming in and stealing away some of the attention and that sort of thing. Yeah, and can't be easy. No, no, and I, I think we've, you know, I think Toby has coped very well with it. Sometimes he wants to play with Lauren a bit too much. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> when she's sleeping or feeding, he'll want to go up and check on her and uh, distract her and um, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it's affection rather than. Um, wanting to irritate. Yeah, that's nice. He does seem, when I've seen them together, he does seem very, very affectionate. Mm. And actually, even towards Oliver, he likes coming over and stroking Oliver's head. Yeah, yeah. 
I think he's always been quite nice. I think little kids are generally with babies um, do tend to be attracted to little kids. We we were out at out, we went out for dinner the other night, and uh, the table next to us had a I would say a two year old, two and a half year old at the table. And when we got up to leave, and I was carrying Lauren in the baby carrier, this little two year old who yeah we had had no interaction with just yeah. turned and said bye bye baby. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> And it was just, yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah, all very sweet. <laughs> That's brilliant fun. Baby Dad. We were saying last week that Father's Day is coming up. Mm. And um, I've written a card for my dad. Very good. So birthdays are fairly straightforward. For a, for a birthday for my dad, you know, there are certain things that he likes. The thing that I, I once bought him a gun, which I think went down probably the best of, of all the things. <laughs> I bought him a, an air pistol. Because right. he lives out in the countryside and he has to, you know, chase off squirrels and rats and things. But Father's Day, like, is it, is it, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a time for giving of presents. So I'd like to know, Nick, um, what you're planning to do for Father's Day and, and spreading the request more widely uh, if listeners have got any ideas uh, or any uh, suggestions for things that uh, are, you know make make a suitable father's day uh, activity or, or gift or whatever I'd, I'd be really keen to hear them because i'm a little bit stumped at the moment i'd have to say i'm probably singly the worst person to ask that question <laughs> i i look back and i don't think we ever marked father's day or mother's day growing up Unless it was something like, you know, at school or whatever it was, we made a card for it as an activity. Yeah. But, you know, we never, it was never like we would go out for lunch, Sunday lunch on Father's Day or whatever it might be. We Mm. just never did that. So I don't know if that, looking back, I can't piece together. Was that just because, you know, my parents weren't really fussed with it? Or were they secretly dearly longing that <laughs> my brother and I would suddenly, out of nowhere, do something for them on Mother's Day or Father's Day? But I have to say, knowing my parents, as I do, I, I think it's the former. I think yeah, they were never that fussed with it. So it's something that um, the complete opposite with Joe, in that you know they would always mark it with a gift and a present and didn't, you know, going out for lunch, whatever it might be. So ever since Joe and I have been together... Uh, you know, ten years now. There has been, if not a a card, there's at least been a phone call <laughs> from me to my <laughs> mum or my dad on that day to yeah. to at least have a chat. Yeah, like we do anyway from time to time. But just make sure we have one on those days and slip in at the end. Oh, by the way, Happy Father's Day. Yeah, not not make a deal of it. But but then since Toby arrived three years ago, it's now been quite nice because Joe will make. Uh, grandfather day cards from from toby to both the granddads or the, uh-huh. well both both sets of grandparents on the respective days so it sort of it almost feels like it's absolved me of the i don't have to do a card for my dad now because he gets one from his grandchildren toby helps yeah toby helps it's funny you should mention that because uh rachel sat down with oliver this week and did uh his first bit of finger painting with him right which is very good timing because my mum's birthday's coming up and obviously Father's Day next weekend as well. So yeah, we've we've got um the first pieces of Oliver artwork. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think those will go down very well. Yeah, seriously every every card we've sent out for birthdays to family have been in quotes Toby made. Mm-hmm. Which to be frank, if they were truly Toby made, then he 
had great manual control of a pair of scissors from a very young age. <laughs> but yeah, there, there will always be something he's he's scrawled or painted or um, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, you know, he would decide what the card should look like, even if he gets his helpers <laughs> to actually cut some bits out and assemble it. Like Matisse, uh, he famously, when he was designing in his later years, he didn't touch the paper, but he would point with a stick and tell people <laughs> right. what to do. <laughs> yeah, and because um, uh, you know, Toby is such a fan of octonauts or whatever, whatever the current program is. Typically, it will be, you know, what should we do for a card for Grandpa? Oh, well, we should do a giant squid, or nice. a whale, or a, it's been. I think the family have had a succession of sea creatures for cards the last year or so that's great do you have to talk him out of um doing like all the gups yes it does turn into a bit of negotiation try not to do the same card twice but when toby is insistent you have to do a giant squid for like the third <laughs> time it's like maybe we'll, maybe we'll try something different we we managed to talk him into doing a rocket for because it um i guess this is part of why we haven't ever really done much for father's day in my family is because it's my dad's birthday it was my dad's birthday last week, um, the beginning of June. So oh, right. that always coincides quite closely with Father's Day. So, mm-hmm. so that, I guess, tended to get whatever focus there would be for that sort of thing. I mean, it sounds, I don't know. I I looked to all the commercial side of Father's Day and Mother's Day, and I, I don't know. It just doesn't fit with how I grew up. That yeah, um, I think we were the same. It sounds like um, our our families are quite similar. Nick. Good, good news. Rachel's just returned, so uh, I'm going to be handing handing Oliver off to her. She looks a bit horrified that he's awake. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a bad job. What's he doing awake? What's he doing up? But yes, that's that's a really um, useful tip about crafts from the grandchildren. That's uh, that's definitely going to be a, mm. a, a, a lifesaver, I think. Yeah, and the, uh, it's also something they certainly do it at nursery. You know, Toby always excitedly tells me what he's done at nursery that day when, when I go to pick him up. So I picked him up on, uh, I think it was Tuesday this week, and he says, Daddy, I made a card for you today. <laughs> nice. And all the stuff like, Toby, it's a surprise. Yeah. It's a secret surprise card. Yeah, it's, of course you know they're doing it, but it's always funny how he um he then delighted for the entire drive home telling me in great detail about this card. He <laughs> exactly what it's like. Yeah. It's got a giant squid on it. Yeah. Easy dad. So, Ru, uh, one of the iTunes reviews we had last week was from Andrew Wheaton, and he's uh, he sorted up on Twitter uh, saying, well, thanks for reading his review. It's put a smile on his face. He's got twins due later this month, and he is looking for advice um, for caring for mum after a caesarean section. Ah, we had one of those. Um, so I know all about that. Uh, be prepared to do a lot of carrying of things um, and be as helpful as you possibly can um, but beyond that I don't know really what to what to suggest it's definitely uh, quite a big and invasive and painful mm-hmm. thing to deal with uh, and so yeah they'll, they'll be um, pretty uh, certainly for a few days maybe maybe a couple of weeks um, not doing as much um, and, and probably for the first week or so um, struggling to to carry anything or or um you know like go for a jog or anything mm. like that and i don't know whether with with twins that's going to be harder or easier maybe a smaller hole is needed because the 
babies tend to be smaller, but who knows? Yeah, it would have been quite a quite a big and difficult thing anyway. Mm. So yeah, Andrew, I don't know what to suggest for you other than be ready to be the help the most helpful you've ever been. Yes. Yeah, I think that, I mean the key thing is let let your partner get just as much rest as they can. Do everything you can to avoid them walking up and down the stairs too much. Mm. Um, you're going to have to be the gopher for a little while just whilst everything settles down. I seem to remember some of the recommendations, you know, you don't want, they're not bedridden. They do need to be getting up and about a little bit because, you know, just keep things moving. Um, mm. It's not going to be the most comfortable time for her. So do the heavy lifting. And of course, don't forget, not only if you've got your partner to, to help and support, but if you're, if you're having twins, then you're going to have double the workload there. I'm thinking back to uh, previous episodes where we've had tips from dads with twins. So, Andrew, I'm not sure how far through the back catalogue you are, but we, we do have some good contributions and suggestions from other dads uh, of twins. Uh, it's a subject that's come up a fair few times, actually, for us. Yeah. So, good luck, Andrew. Um, I mean, do do let us know. It's not long to go for you. Best of luck. We had another question from a listener this week, and actually it echoes a question that I asked you a few weeks ago. Um, Patrick Breen asks, do we have any thoughts on what age you might want to start thinking about the music and films that are playing at home, especially in relation to violence and swearing and that sort of thing? We talked about this before, and I'm not sure yeah. we, we got anywhere with it, but this week I was watching a programme on ITV called The Secret Life of Babies, and it had some twins who were children of deaf parents, and so they were learning to sign from a very young age. And the parents were telling a story of how they'd sign with the children and, and tell them stories. And even if initially they weren't uh, able to respond because they were still mm. learning, several weeks later they would be able to recollect some of the things that they'd been told and, and told through through sign. And they were sort of, you know, telling telling stories back to the parents that they they share with them. And these kids were five months old, six months old. Right. Um, so it struck me just how much they do take in. And, and even if they can't speak, they're, they're definitely listening and uh, able to pay you a fair bit of attention to what's going on. Mm. So, yeah, I'm I'm um, beginning to think that Oliver's at the, the stage now at five months, just over five months old, where I probably wouldn't be watching Reservoir Dogs in the <laughs> in the room uh, with him in it at the moment. Right. I think when he was one month old, two months old, I would have done that without any hesitation. Um, uh, and probably my my biggest concern would have been the volume and you know loud mm. loud pangs and noises near him, maybe making him jump. But in terms of you know language and swearing, it, it wouldn't have really uh, it wouldn't really have struck me as being a problem. But now I think it might be something that even if he can't repeat it the same day he might you know sort of uh yeah there are certain lines of pulp fiction that uh that i'm not sure i'd want him uh you know going into nursery with in, in a couple of years time yeah i think the big difference is when during this first couple of months when your child's going to be down with you most of the evening you do naturally feel like well you know you want to be you want to carry on watching the things you watch whether it's breaking bad or you know, game of thrones you know whatever it might be that isn't clearly suitable for for a toddler or whatever to be watching um mm. but you know even now the fact that you know laura and oliver they go to bed and they're fast asleep upstairs for most of the evening usually um it does sort of certainly for tv it means it's 
almost less of an issue. They're not as round as much when you would be watching. Yeah. I guess a different aspect, though, is if you're just listening to music, like if you're driving with them in the car, that sort of thing, and mm. um, that sort of music. But, you know, we, to us, Toby's of the age where we pretty, I've said before, we pretty much listen to his stuff all the time anyway. Right. So that kind of has just solved it. You just don't get to listen to music with, which might be unsuitable for them because you have to listen to their music. <laughs> yeah, you don't have an album on with some tracks that contain a couple of words that might be unsuitable because mm. it's all music for toddlers. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And I yeah. guess a lot of the TV that, that Lauren's exposed to these days is, you know, it's either going to be Joe catching up on Neighbours, which is hardly... Well, it's neighbours. <laughs> um, it's quite funny when Joe's feeding her. Um, more more recently, if the TV's on, if Toby's watching CBBS, she'll get completely distracted by it. Oh, I found exactly the same thing. If the telly's on in the background, which we don't do very much during the day, yeah. Um, but yeah, when when he's awake, if if I you know happen to put it on, oh my goodness, he cannot take his eyes and ears off it. It's incredibly distracting to them. Yeah, and that I mean that carries on. <laughs> it's Toby, we never wanted to for Toby to watch hours and hours of TV, and I think we'd found we'd sort of slipped into when he comes into our room at seven a.m. I sort of blindly turn CBeebies on for him and roll over to sleep for another hour with him mm. watching CBeebies in the bed with us. We've started instilling this rule now that he can't watch CBeebies in our room during the week, and mm-hmm. he has to get dressed first and come downstairs to watch CBeebies during the week. But at the weekends, he can climb into bed and watch CBeebies whilst we sleep in bed. But That's just nice. it's sort of like a weekend treat as well. Yeah, a weekend treat type thing. So, you know, trying to scale back. And, and for a while now, you know, particularly at the weekends when it would be easy just to have the TV on just in the background whilst he's playing. Um, you know, we're, we're very particular about if he's watching, if he's getting to watch CBeebies as a treat or whilst we're cooking dinner or something, that's fine. But if he's playing, then the TV's off. It's yeah. not so just it's, a background It's not thing. background noise, yeah. Yeah. With Oliver going to bed slightly more reliably, uh, and often it would be 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock after a bath, um, your point about having a bit of time to yourself in the evening is, is definitely true for us as well now. Mm. It's uh, it's quite a nice moment when you've... you've uh, yeah, you've... you've had some great interaction with him and then he goes to bed and then you have some time to yourself. It's a, yeah, it's a nice, nice part of the day, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always, yeah. Getting home from work just as, you know, get dinner on the table, get, get the kids fed. It's that, there's probably that hour, hour and a half, two hours between stepping in the door and collapsing on the sofa (laughs) and, yeah, it's always a good feeling collapsing on the sofa, but it's always a nice feeling when you get to the end of that and you've tucked Toby up and you've read him his stories and you say goodnight. And, you know, it's it's always nice when, particularly on the nights when that's all going smoothly and you've not got the temper tantrums and you're, yeah, it's not, not been a battle to get him into his pyjamas or whatever it might be. Mm. Yeah, it can be a, it's a nice way to, you know, you collapse on the sofa exhausted, but it's a often a nice exhausted yeah, satisfaction and them being quietly asleep upstairs is a really nice feeling as well. Yeah, which isn't to say it's always like that. I mean, mm. you know, it can be 
you collapse on the sofa exhaustion and the last thing you want to do is yeah think about <laughs> the the last hour of negotiating with a toddler i've talked before about how mm. it's oh, a futile is, act yeah. to negotiate with the toddler <laughs> so in terms of getting him to sleep you said that he really likes stories and he loves yeah. being read to do you have a routine that's very different for him than for Lauren, given that, that he's older? Is there is it a more involved routine for bed? Yeah, yeah, I think it's... Um, because he likes stories, and, and the big thing for a while has been he likes to tell you stories, mm. and for a long time he would make up octonaut stories, and currently it's Number Jacks, so another CBeebies programme um, all about numbers, so he'll want to tell you a story. And he does this when he's sat on the loo as well. He starts <laughs> telling you stories. But to the extent that his stories can really go on and on <laughs> and on. And, um, yeah, and it, it comes to that point where we agree, you know, that the rule is he can have two stories in bed when it's bedtime. And then there's always negotiation around whether him telling us a story, is that one of the two stories? Um <laughs> Yeah, if especially if it goes on and on and on. Yeah, uh, and if he's not listening and not not you know not cleaning his teeth, or whatever it might be, then we have to you know we we have some bargaining there. We can take stories away, and um, but he's actually really good. Once he's you know, climbed into bed, um, he'll have one or two stories, and when you get to the end of the stories, he's nine times out of ten, at that point he says, you know, you can go now. <laughs> you know, mm. It's um, I think we're quite lucky. He's not. He doesn't get clingy, and he doesn't draw draw it out too often. I mean, it does happen on occasion, but on the whole, um, he kind of gets that, and then we just leave him to it. Um, and I know it sounds like, like he actually quite likes going to bed. Yeah, and he kind of gets once he's had his two stories, and we close the door, he doesn't come out of his room. Um, like tonight, um, after Joe had gone out, I just went up to the bathroom you know about half an hour after i'd put him to bed and he was still in his room just chatting away to himself playing wow. <laughs> um you know looking at cbb's magazines whatever it might be perfectly happy but yeah that's fine he you know, he'll you know he he sort of takes care of himself at that point which is yeah. quite nice that's very cool i'm looking forward to all of that mm. In a future episode, Nick, I definitely want you to um, review some kids' TV programmes for me because it's not something I know very much about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess there are some... I remember Teletubbies was aimed at a very, very young audience, wasn't it? It's, yeah. it's not just for toddlers. You know, but they, they do make TV programmes for babies. Um, so I'd love some uh, thoughts on whether any of them are any good or not. Yes, absolutely. I think there's there are some which... Joe and I will happily find ourselves just sat in front of, even after Toby's left the room. Um, <laughs> there are some that you know, we long to switch off and we try and dissuade him from watching, I guess, without getting into it. Postman Pat. Everyone knows Postman Pat. When Postman you start Pat is a childhood classic. It's I remember a childhood that classic. from my, my uh, formative years. Once you start thinking about it, you realise what a terrible postman he is. <laughs> but we'll come to that in a later episode oh good tease okay well i'm looking forward to hearing more about postman pat and other tv programs Beardy dads. <laughs> nick i'm distressed to say that i have looked on itunes tonight to see whether anyone had left us any new reviews and they have not 
They haven't. Oh dear. Mm, none at all. So if you're listening to this and you like what you hear, or you've got feedback for us and you'd like us to know, you know, what, what you don't like about it, then uh, you know, you could certainly consider leaving a review on iTunes for us. Yeah. We would we would appreciate it. And we we do read every single review out on the show. We do. And we do read every email you send us. Uh, you can email us podcast at beardydads.co.uk. We read your tweets as well, which uh, you can send us and converse with us during the week at Beardy Dads. And thanks to those of you who have been doing so. Andrew Wheaton, uh, who was spent about earlier in the show with Freddie and James on the way. Peter Wheaton, is that a relation of Andrew Wheaton or just a coincidence? It seems likely that they're brothers, but, but who knows? Maybe who they're knows? twins. Maybe it runs in the family. Who knows? But thank you, Andrew and Peter Wheatons. Uh, Lopter, Ian Wilson, Rob Derbyshire... And everyone else who's been in touch uh, and talking to us and about us this week. And of course, thank you to the brilliant Wes West who created the theme tune, without which Beardy Dads would be a very much more boring thing. It would be. Thank you, Wes. Uh, No show next week. I'm off on my travels again. Where Uh, are you going this time, Nick? It is New York this time. New York, New York. Yes, New York for a few days. So um, we can't fit a show in next week. So uh, come back in two weeks. but let us know what you do for Father's Day. I think we'll our next show will now be after Father's Day. It will. So let us know what you did. Let us know um, yeah, what, what did your, your newborn baby get you for Father's Day? Because clearly <laughs> that, that is the magic of the day. Um, oh, I hadn't actually considered that side of it. Yes. You see, this is why I do feel bad that we so badly missed Mother's Day. Because... As, as a podcast of fathers, Father's Day is the day that you get something in return, whereas Mother's Day is kind of the day when we I feel we should have prompted all the new fathers out there. that we should have let them know, yeah. Yeah, you guys, you need to be doing something. So Do something think, nice. Think of this as your early warning for next year's Mother's Day. Start the escalation early. Yeah. Set the expectation nice and high at Mother's Day, because then Father's Day comes along a couple of months later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, with that out of the way, uh, it only leaves us to say goodbye and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you once again for listening to Beardy Dads and uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, thank you. Good night, Nick. Good night, Rue.